What is up, ladies and gentle nerds? It's your boy Graham, also known as Hamhawks42 on the internet, and today we are looking at yet another random magic card like we like to do here on Overthinking MTG. And that card is Croson Tusker. It is a 6-5 beast for 5 green green that has cycling for 2 and a green, so cycles for 3. When you cycle Croson Tusker, you may search your library for a basic land card. Reveal that card, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. So this is an interesting one because a 6-5 beast for 7 is not a good rate. It is just straight up not good. However, being able to cycle it produces an interesting effect. And when a card produces an interesting effect through something like cycling or like the modal DFCs that we're seeing in Zendikar, it's interesting, or mutate for that matter actually, all of which are effects that function, that that allow the card to function differently straight out of your hand. And it's a good idea to recontextualize uh, what that means. Actually, somebody in my Twitch chat just the other day asked, um, if there was a creature that came in, came into play that was a 4-4 with trample, reach, and a disenchant effect, and it only cost three mana, would that card be good? And immediately I knew what they were doing, and they were like, and I was like, oh yeah, you mean Gem Razor, which does exactly that, as long as you have one non-human creature on the battlefield? Yeah, that'd be pretty good. And guess what? It's pretty good. <laughs> Gem Razor's a great card. But you can think of it in those terms it is a 4-4 that comes onto the battlefield you could even say imagine like sacrifice a non-human creature you control you get a 4-4 disenchant and it, to be to be fair you don't sacrifice the creature it melds on top of the creature so it, it's even more complex than that but it works very very nicely so with Kroos and Tusker you can recontextualize the cycling ability as for two and a green Search your library for a basic land card, put it into your hand, then draw a card. And because it's cycling, that's considered an activated ability, not a count or not a spell. So traditional counter spells can't touch it. So it's search your library for a basic land, put it into your hand, draw a card, this spell can't be countered. That's pretty good. Like, you know, that's actually not a bad spell. Um because it immediately replaces itself. I mean, it's you get two cards for the price of one. And so it helps mitigate mana screw. It helps fix your mana if you're in a multicolor situation. I would imagine any limited environment where Crows and Tusker is available, you're going to want to pick it up. Because in the early game, it's great mana fixing and card draw. So it thins out your library a little bit, which is always good, especially when you're dealing with a 40-card library. And then in the late game, if you draw it late, you get a 6-5 body for 7. You can win a game with that. You know, that off the top can definitely win a game if, if it's a long, grindy, like, control matchup and uh, it just comes down to who has the threat that sticks. This could very easily be it. Um, that is, of course, assuming you're living in a world where there is fair one-to-one -one magic going on with some back and, back and forth, which maybe we're in that right now as you're listening to this, or maybe not. Power creep is a thing, and as a direct result, Crows and Tusker doesn't look like it's aged very well, which is a little bit of a shame. If they were to print Crows and Tusker today, that land would probably go onto the battlefield tapped, which is a significant difference. Um, yeah, going into the hand versus going onto the battlefield is, I mean, that's a whole turn's worth of land. So that is an incredible difference um, and something to keep in mind. So Crows and Tusker, it doesn't actually ramp you, but it helps fix your mana and helps make sure that you hit your land drops. So if anything, it's kind of like 
it's similar to Cultivate, actually, when you think about it. Because with Cultivate, you search your library for two cards. You put one onto the battlefield tap, one into your hand. So Crows and Tusker, it's half of Cultivate. You put it into your hand. But then you also draw a card on top of it. So again, it's just a good value. And you can do that at instant speed. Um, that's the other th cool thing about cycling. Cycling can be done at instant speed. Plus, if you have any other cards that trigger off of cycling, that, that benefit is there too. So Crimson Tusker is a huge, beefy creature that you're almost never going to play as a huge, beefy creature. So I'd love to take a look at the artwork for a second because I, I have a handful of Crimson Tuskers and they find their way into my EDH decks uh, just for because of the flexibility. Being able to get some advantage early and some advantage late. Um, that's actually the thing. Crows and Tusker is a great example of a modal card. Early in the game, it's a great cycler. Late in the game, it's it's a it's a beater. Um, and both are really good. So, I mean, and again, actually, you know what? No, both are a little bit overpriced for what you get. So this feels very much like the modal DFCs from Zendikar. Uh, it's very similar in how it plays. Because with the modal DFCs in Zendikar, if you get them early, they're a land. If you get them late, they're a spell. And the spell's a little expensive for what you get, and the land comes into play tapped. So neither are great. It's two cards that are a little bit underwhelming back-to-back. -back. But you get them both when you draw just one card. So that's pretty great. With Crows and Tusker, you get a solid cycling ability that helps fix your mana. Or you get a slightly overpriced beast. Also, I want to point out, beast is a relevant creature type, especially in the Onslaught block where Crows and Tresker originally appeared. Because beast was actually a tribe that got a fair amount of support back then. There were cards that actually triggered upon beasts entering the battlefield, or cards that made beasts cost less. Now, if you had something like, I believe it was Crows and Warchief, that actually allowed beasts to cost less, if you had something like Crows and Warchief on the field, and let me go ahead and double check, make sure I'm saying that right. Yeah! If you had Crows and Warchief, um, the beast portion of Crows and Tusker would be less expensive. So you'd get a 6-5 for 6 instead of a 6-5 for 7. Okay, nice. However, the cycling ability is not considered to be part of the part of a beast spell. Therefore, its cost is unaffected by Crows and Warchief. Mild bummer, but at the end of the day, that's okay. So Crows and Warchief was interesting. There's actually a whole cycle of Warchiefs. You may recognize the... There's actually a pendant that the Crows and Warchief is wearing around his neck um, or or her neck. I'm not exactly sure. Around its neck that is... Um, that's a green pendant. If that looks familiar, it probably looks familiar because of Goblin Warchief. Because Goblin Warchief, if I spell that correctly, that would help. Goblin Warchief um, is a spell that's actually legal on arena right now, although I'm realizing that the new art doesn't show... Here we go. Here's one with the original artwork that shows a red pendant around its neck. There was an entire cycle of war chiefs from, I believe it was Legion, that the original set where, this, where these appeared, uh, and all of them had these pendants around their neck. I'm not exactly sure why uh, different creature types across all the different colors and all the different areas on Dominaria all had these same the same style of emblem to show their prestige, especially when you look at the Croson uh, Warchief, because it's clearly a beast. It's not wearing any other type of adornment, so why does it have a pendant? Um, that wasn't exactly clear. I never really understood that. But here we are. It is what it is. But back to Crows and Tusker. All that is to say, Beast is a relevant creature type. There are cards out there that care about 
beasts. So if you are building a beast deck, which I have tried to do, it's not great. Let me tell you what. They have just enough support so that it's clear that at some point they were meant to be relevant, but not enough support to really be constructed relevant. That's what I like to call limited relevant. Very similar to the party mechanic that we're seeing in Zendikar right now. It's very limited relevant. However, in constructed play, it's kind of a fringe, kind of janky tool that uh, isn't really seeing top tier play. It just isn't because it just doesn't have that level of support. So Crows and Tuskers is a really cool card. It's a fun role player if you're in a multicolor situation that has access to green. Although if you're in a situation where you have access to green, there are probably better color fixing options, especially nowadays. You have cards like Rampant Growth. You have cards like, well, actually, Explosive Vegetation was a card that was very unique for, for a little while. Um, it was It's a card that you can search your library for two basic land cards, put them onto the battlefield, tap, then shuffle your library. However, they've reprinted about 15 different versions of Explosive ve Vegetation. Okay, 15 is a little bit of a, a little bit of a... It's a little hyperbolic, but at the end of the day, they reprinted a number of cards that do this exact same effect recently with Migration Path and I believe it was um, Explosive Verge or something like that. There's another one that just came out in Zendikar, um, and for the life of me, I can't remember exactly what it's called. But paying four mana and grabbing two two lands and putting them directly onto the battlefield is probably going to be better than cycling across and Tusker for three, unless you have other cycling payoffs. But yeah, all in all, Crows and Tusker's a fun role player. I like this card a lot. I feel like there was a time in Magic's history when it was very powerful. I fear that that time has passed, but I still enjoy it. I still think it has its place in uh, lower power commander decks, especially. So if you have a commander deck and you're looking to kind of throttle the power down, take some of those... Uh, big ramp spells you have and replace them with Cross and Tuskers because I think you'll find that it plays quite nicely. It still gives you what you want and it replaces itself in your hand, so that's always good. And I have no doubt that in Limited, when this was around, the Beast deck was a solid, uh, solid archetype. Um, yeah, actually, that'd be really fun to draft some of those old Onslaught block uh, packs one of these days because I never did actually. So that's something I'd love to, I'd love to give a shot to give it a. One more time. I'd love to give that a shot sometime because that was when I was first getting into the game and I was playing Janky Constructed and it, I didn't even know what Limited was back then. But uh, yeah, Cross and Tusker I'm sure was a Limited bomb because it's just really, really good at what it does. Anyway, thanks so much for hanging out, guys. This has been Cross and Tusker. This has been a fun little voyage. We went all, all over the place on this one and I'm grateful for that. I appreciate you. You can catch me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash hambox42. And don't forget, you are a good person and you deserve to be happy.